my name is Tyler Bufflitz, and welcome back to Transfiguration Sunday for the week of February 27, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and it's just, just kind of exciting Sunday where we get a lot of movement as we're kind of wrapping up the end here of Epiphany as we then we are moving into Lent and that reflection period of time, contemplation, figuring things out, trying to wrap our head around what is coming next as we are then taking the steps toward Calvary and what that is going to end up meaning for Jesus, but also for us in the long run. But it's also this kind of wrapping up with a bow for a period of time of what Jesus' ministry is like. We're going to be at this moment here of Jesus' ministry, and we're not coming back to it for over six weeks. We're jumping as we're moving into then the road to Calvary instead of just continuing through the ministry. And that's kind of one of the hard things, I think, with having Easter in the spring. I understand it, but I also at points wish that it was later in the year so that we could have a little bit more of the progression of where we're going with these gospels than just all of a sudden starting it and then putting that aside to jump to the end to come back to it. But I digress. But before we jump into how but before we jump into this week's text, we have to look back at last week's question, which was are you willing to put yourself in uncomfortable positions for the betterment of the body? Last week we got talking about how generational pain and generational trauma and what that actually all means. And I think one of the things that that encompasses as part of that, and with something that we kind of got back in responses, is listening. It means that we have to be willing and able to put ourselves and humble ourselves enough to be able to sit and listen, sit and contemplate, sit and work with another person to be able to understand what they're going through, whether it makes us feel comfortable, but especially if it makes us feel uncomfortable in the regard to that We shouldn't always necessarily put ourselves in a position where we're always feeling comfortable and then seeing God just in that place. Being able to see the vastness of the body, being able to look beyond that, to be able to understand where things are going. And I think it ties actually really, really well with where we'll get to this week because I think there's things that we inherently do and we've talked about time and time again on how we are very resistant to change. And I think we even see that in this week's text. So let's just jump into it a little bit. The Old Testament text this week, the first reading is out of Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 to 35. This is Moses After receiving the Ten Commandments, coming down from Sinai and talking to the people, but in doing so, he's glowing. He has spent so much time with God that we're getting this appearance, this physical appearance of what God is looking like, being transfused or coming out of the radiance of God coming out of Moses where he has to put down a veil for in order for the people to be able to communicate with him. An interesting, weird text, but I think it also gives this idea, this vision of when God is within us and is speaking out of us at certain moments that there is almost, I believe, this radiance that can come out of us also. And so it's this kind of beautiful text, but it definitely is put in there to kind of tie a little bit more to where we'll get with the gospel text. The psalm this week is Psalm 99. 
This text, the nine verses that we have, again, helps us to understand the placement of where we are in regards to God. This God that is all-powerful and that deserves our praise, but then also what God is doing with that power, that God is trying to level the playing field as much as he can for his people, trying to establish a new priority within what life is supposed to look like, that God is this one who is interacting with us and trying to connect with us and trying to help us understand what it means to forgive so that God can enter into those situations. The New Testament text or second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to chapter 4, verse 2. This text then continues to play off of that idea that was picked up here in the first text and how when we're interacting with God, the spirit within us is then working within us also. That there are times that we don't completely see what God is doing because of our humanness, because that we see a reflection of what God is doing instead of seeing the actual image. We're looking through a mirror and it's looking almost backwards and to reflect on what is actually going on. It's hard for us as we're moving forward to be able to see where God is steering us and moving us. And that's one of the things that can make it very difficult for us to fully grapple with and understand where God is in these different times and moments. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36, and optionally 37 through 43. 28 through 36 focuses on the transfiguration story. So Jesus goes up a mountain with Peter, James, and John to pray. We get that he is dazzling white. While up there, he sees Moses and Elijah appear with him. The disciples who are with him are super tired. And when Peter sees this, he says, let's stay here. Let's build some dwellings so that we can stay in this moment. And while he is saying this, a cloud overshadows them. They are terrified as they enter the cloud. Then the cloud says, this is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. And when the cloud moves away, Jesus is the only one standing there. They come down the mountain and then you get this story of a person who is saying their son is seized with the spirit. Jesus almost comes out in this rebuking after this person has said that his disciples cannot cast it out. And Jesus states in verse 41, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring the son here. He cast the demon out of this person and everyone is astonished with what Jesus was able to do. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Whoa. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help give me some direction for this podcast. It's really helpful to be able to have those different commentaries along with different biblical scholars talking about these texts to give some different perspectives, some different ideas. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Also, I'd recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu. 
edu. I really like using them for how they lay out the text each week, but also being able to have the art, especially with it being Transfiguration Sunday, being able to see how different artists from around the world have interpreted these texts, I find is a super useful tool to be able to help give some different unique thoughts and ideas to be coming from these texts. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt.edu, I'd highly recommend that also. So one of the things that I think we have to look at, and we're, let's be honest, you're mostly going to focus on the gospel text this week. The other texts are tying into it so heavily. But one of the books that I was recommended to look at this last week is Reversing Herman. And I'll attach some links to it down below. But one of the things that gets brought up is with the region that Jesus is in, which is talking about going back to the disciples had just gone through Caesarea Philippi and talking about looking at the structures and the buildings and everything. And that when they're then going up a mountain to pray, the recognized mountain would have been Hermon. And Hermon was recognized within the people at this time of the place where the archangel had come down and kind of sin had entered the world. So if you're looking at this text and that this is where Jesus, we see the bits of glory kind of for the first time really in his gospel, really seeing the full glory of Jesus, is in a way symbolizing the transformation of what's going on here, that Jesus is going to take and break these cords, break these ideas that have been held, that he is coming for his kingdom come. He has come to renew what is going on here in the earth. And so I think that's one thing to look at. And coming from that perspective, I think for me, what really stood out to me this week is verses 33 to 35. Well, we'll even include 36 in there. So here you have Peter seeing Moses and Elijah, the master of the law being Moses and the master of the prophets, Elijah, standing there with Jesus, the pinnacle figures of the Old Testament. And so... It makes sense that Peter then is like, let's stay here. Let's dwell here. Let's continue to be in this moment. Let's continue to be in this place. Let's build dwellings so we, we don't ever have to leave. We can live in this paradise. And then a cloud comes. And it states here in the text in verse 34, they are terrified of entering the cloud. In the cloud, then we have God's voice being coming that this is my son, the chosen, listen to him. And we then find Jesus standing alone afterwards. I think one of the places that I really want to focus in on is this moment of being terrified with the cloud coming over from what they perceive that meaning, being the mountain that they're on, the place that they're at, the history that they perceive with that place. And what does that actually mean? That they're having this experience and the beginnings of this, and yet let's not go any further. Let's build what we can understand. Let's build these places and stay here and live in this paradise of what we can understand. And I feel like then God is helping us to understand that's not even our human nature. That's definitely not, I feel, the nature of what God has created us to be either. Let's take a trip down memory lane and i'll attach some links down below that definitely are worth checking out but this week we're going to look at the history of trains we're going to look at the history of trains now types of 
transit by some type of rail go back hundreds of centuries. But when we really look back here, the modern rail system that we are accustomed to and that we think of when we think of a trail with steel tracks that this train goes over the steam locomotive is probably the first image of early trains that we look at we're looking at the 1800s and we're looking at the industrial revolution now we had things that ran on tracks before and we had moved things on tracks before mostly produce or goods or things like that and maybe there was one person who's on the train whatever it is a steam engine or something or that we're having some type of muscle power like a animal such as an oxen or horse pulling this thing across hence we have here in the united states the oregon trail of people moving west but as we are going through the industrial revolution trains represented this major overhaul that's happening that we were industrializing things and as we get into the industrialization of trains it standardized time it changed culture. It was actually one of the things that, and I'll attach them with the links down below, it changed how people were even interacting. Before, when you were in a stagecoach, you were face-to-face, and you would sit and talk and observe nature as it slowly rolled by. But as we then started having steam locomotives that are moving faster and faster, and that this then shortened the time that you were with somebody in the type of car, and also that you were having mixing of classes from high class to even middle class within trains. It encouraged reading, encouraged this blurring of this disconnect that we have with nature in a lot of ways. But it also led to a lot of fear because things were changing. I'll attach down below, but I find it as one of the more interesting letters in within U.S. history But it's a letter from future President Martin Van Buren writing to President Jackson talking about how that these railroad carriages being pulled at enormous speeds of 15 miles an hour by engines, which in addition to endangering life and limb and passenger, which there's some decent fear there. This was something that was happening much more frequently at that point as they were figuring out the technology that he later states in this, the Almighty never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speeds. In fact, there are articles talking about how people were thinking that people could go mad being on a train moving this quickly. People then questioning things, especially with women and children, if their their bodies are able to withstand this type of transit. And again, I'll attach some of the links down below. Some of the claims are just absolutely ridiculous. And this is something that we see again later when we get into moving into automobiles. And again, as the speed goes faster, that we're not going to be able to breathe moving at 55 miles an hour. The human body, that the flesh would just start coming off the body. We weren't designed to move and, and the body can't move and be maintained in that type of fashion. There was a lot of science that, in this case, was behind where the modern technology was to be able to help us understand that, no, that's not how really all of this works. But really, what was that? It was the fear 
of this is what I know and I don't want to move any further. One of the things that I'll attach down below coming from the Crash Course channel, which John Green does a great job talking about, is during the Industrial Revolution, this was, seeing trains was kind of a symbol of the changing times. And for the first time in human history, it was really this idea of change being equal to or in at least in the human mind, as progress. So thus this idea of that future generations, it's going to get better, came from. This whole idea of that is relatively new. Because before that, you were very dependent on weather, drought, disease, rulers of the time, who really dictated a lot of what was going on in your lifetime. And thus, this idea since the Industrial Revolution of that we're constantly modernizing and getting more and more advanced, and thus future generations will have it easier and easier and easier, was this new train of thought. Why do I bring this all up with the transfiguration of our Lord? Because that's where Peter is at this moment, is fearful. Peter understands the human construction of where things are. He understands the building of temples. He understands recognizing holy places with building something and making it stagnant. And he's trying to cling and hold on to this moment as long as humanly can. And even to recognize this as a place where that has happened so that this can continue to be held on to for generations. If you look at even the traditions, and I'm not saying tradition is necessarily bad, but look at the tradition of the Passover. Look at the tradition of how we do Christmas now. Look at the tradition of different, even ones within secular culture of what we represent as important. There has continued to evolve this thing. And is there's questions at time as what is the meaning behind this is lost. But as they are about to enter the cloud, realizing that whatever has gone on, it could potentially change as we're entering this cloud, there's fear. There's fear of letting go of what they know in that moment. There's fear of what they understand being lost. This fear of what is going to come next. What does this cloud potentially bring? Rain, hail, snow, wind? What is that going to mean? What change, what additional thing is that going to mean? And thus, that means me letting go of what I know and can understand. If we hadn't had the invention of trains, the global economy doesn't happen. Do you even have the internet and being able to connect ideas because trains helped us be, bring the world closer together in a much different way than it ever done before? We don't have standardized time zones like we do now because trains helped establish that so that there was some type of schedule that could be followed. The fear that we had about trains led to us being able to better communicate and work together through things. If we had stopped that, we would have halted our understanding of what we've been able to do as a global community and we wouldn't be as connected together. In this moment, Peter is trying to hold on to what he understands of God and Jesus in that moment. Even though they had just confessed that he is the son of God down in Caesarea Philippi right before this, he's wanting to hold on to that. He doesn't want to take that next step of what that is actually going to mean as we are opening ourselves up for that transformation of what that could do for us. 
Jesus, I feel the story right after is frustrated because the disciples that he brought up the mountain with him can better understand what this is actually all going to mean. But these people there are understanding Jesus just as a healer. And I think Jesus then was starting to show his glory to those few disciples to help them understand there's more than just this going on here. I'm trying to change the foundation of what we understand. Trains change our understanding of communication, how we look at the world, how we perceive the world, and help be a major part of the Industrial Revolution to change our whole thought process of how we understand the world today. It scared people. It made us nervous. It made us scared and grapple with what does it really mean with all of this in life and how life was moving forward. Jesus is doing the same thing in the transfiguration. A question that I have right now is, are we not at that same precipice? As we've looked over the last couple weeks, we have what I feel is typically one of the best world uniters in the world, the Olympics, happen in Beijing, China. And it was one of the worst watched Olympics in modern history. And right after that, now we are dealing with this conflict between Russia and Ukraine, and we're not sure how that's going to turn out. As we are still dealing with the lingering effects that continue to still be there of the COVID-19 pandemic, I know for me personally, I feel as if we're about to enter the cloud, and I'm not sure if I want to do that. There's so much chaos and turning and going on where it's just like, can we just go back to what we used to know pre-pandemic? Yes, the world was crazy, but at least we could understand it. We could grapple with it. We could hold it and feel like we could at least semi-understand. Where we are now, it's much harder for us to feel that way. And so thus, I feel that we are right on the edge of that cloud. Are we afraid to enter in? Or are we going to enter in with the faith realizing that the glory of what came on the other side of the cloud was much more important and helped us better understand what God was really trying to do and gives us a much better understanding of who God really is? So the question I have for you this week is, are we afraid to enter the cloud? And if so, how do we enter the cloud? I think listening, going back to last week, is part of this answer. I think it shows that we need to be able to work together to do that, to listen to each other, to embrace each other, even from afar, to find hope and really use that hope as something to motivate us moving forward to continue to do the work that God has called us into, no matter how difficult it is in the moment. Because I think that's where when we're looking at what God has done, when we continue to be faithful even in the difficult times, the other side of it is way more fruitful than clinging on to what we know. It's part of letting go of our understanding of free will to let God take control. Because we don't see the whole picture. We see but in a mere dimly what we're looking at. We're seeing the reflection of what we can understand. There was at no point that people could understand in the early 1800s what trains were going to lead to of the modern internet, modern time zones, modern travel, modern communication. There was no way of them being able to understand that. But if they had halted that, 
It would have changed how we were able to actually do things and communicate and connect in the ways that we do now, that we take for granted now. We sometimes have to be able to admit we don't understand and continue to listen to try to understand and realize that there's going to be things that be, are beyond our ability to comprehend and realize that that's part of the place where God dwells. Part of the place where God spends God's time is beyond what our mind at that moment can comprehend. And for me, that's part of the beauty of having a God that's much bigger than what I can understand. One who is able to be one that we listen to because he's chosen as the beloved. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>